the view of life, life from the, from the, from the view of backslidden eyes. It's life under the sun. It's, it's a bleak book. I, I think the first time I ever went completely through the book of Ecclesiastes in a, in a teaching setting was in a high school I was in a high school uh, Sunday school class and taught through the entire book of Ecclesiastes. I look back and I'm like, well, they hung in there anyway. <laughs> so, uh, but uh, it's a necessary book because it it's, it's it is uh, illustrates what even the the wisest man in the in, in the world missed, and that uh, life lived under the sun is a life of vanity and worthlessness and emptiness. And let me just say it this way, it doesn't work. Right? Only God knows how to make life work. And when you attempt to live life outside of a relationship with God and in His will, it just doesn't work. You know, many have asked the question, what is the meaning of life? What is the meaning of life? And that's a big question that goes out there. If, if you ever become a little bit, uh, is it, I don't know, um, maybe there's a time people especially before they're saved. I mean, that, that's a big question that gets asked. They begin to kind of uh, get a little introspective and try to get a little more self-aware. And they're like, well, why am I here? What does anything mean? What's, what's the purpose of life? And, and it seems to me that people just live and die and they go on. And so why do this and why work? And I mean, you can, you can see how easy it is to get that ty- to that type of despair of wondering why we do what, anything at all, right? <clears throat> and some... Some may even say, why was I born? Why, why am I here? And I didn't ask for this, and I'm just here. And, you know, some even, you know, go on to say things like I didn't, like I, you know, like I, I didn't ask to be born, right? Like I just said, I didn't ask to be born. I didn't ask for this. And it's these questions that send some people on an expedition in their life to find answers, to find the word, the main word I want to use tonight is to find meaning, to find meaning in life. And what is the definition of meaning? I think one word you could use when you talk about meaning, uh, one, one, I think one word that could be thrown out there is the word purpose, right? I mean, I'm late to writing a multi-million dollar book on purpose, right? Or I think Rick Warren wrote one of those. What was that? 40 Days of Pride? I forgot what his name. Anyway, I don't have it. And uh, I... <laughs> maybe I, I almost said maybe I should have got, no, I'm just kidding. No. And, uh, but meaning, people are looking for meaning and life. They're looking for the purpose of life. And this is what became the drive of Solomon's life. It's, 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 it's strange. We could spend a lot of time uh, talking about how he got there. I mean, from where he was, right? I mean, the pinnacle of his life really was, was the day of the dedication of the temple. What an awesome setting that was. All of Israel had gathered in. I mean, you look at the prayer that was prayed at the dedication of the temple. I mean, it was just like, how could somebody get, not get, get, get any closer to God than Solomon was uh, this day? And then we find him here writing in the book of Ecclesiastes after a, after a life that he's messed up. It's, a, it's amazing. It really is. It's mind-boggling. It is a great reminder for us that I don't care how close you get to God. You get far enough, you, you slowly walk far enough away from Him. And you'll get just as nuts as Solomon did. I've noticed this in my short tenure on the planet. Some of the craziest people, I mean, just nuts, are those that have gotten away from God. They just do the craziest. I mean, some things just make no sense, right? And I'm telling you, I mean, you look at Solomon, it makes you go crazy. 
And, uh, and so he, Solomon took the course that most of all mankind has takes in, in when they're trying to discover life. And one of the courses that he took, first off, was the course of experience. The course of experience. Number one, experience. This is what he's doing to try to figure out the meaning of life. Experience. And, and this is what we see it advertised at every turn in our society. Experience, right? Experience the Bahamas. Experience a world-class cruise. Experience uh, this luxury automobile. Experience the theater. Experience IMAX. I mean, when the kids were in school, there was a church that came up from Kennett, uh, Missouri. Yeah, uh, you know where Kennett is. And, this, and on their side of their bus, experience Pentecost, right? And it was this big Pentecostal church down there at Kennett, and they had an ACE school, and they'd bring their kids up to state convention, and, and I mean, and they did. They experienced Pentecost. I mean, what, what they thought Pentecost was. And uh, I mean, they got go. I mean, Brother Broadhacker one time in the middle of a, in the middle of a, of a, of a service one night at the state convention, he'd get up and he said, get them out of here. Get them all out of here. I mean, they were going nuts, and boy, they just... And they went into the dorm rooms, went crazy over there. I mean, it, yeah, they were experiencing Pentecost. Well, they're Pentecost or whatever it was. I mean, we're, it's all about experience, isn't it? I mean, some people's, quote, uh, existence and their relationship with God is, is strictly driven on experience. And I'm telling you, that's pretty shallow. I mean, uh, yes, we experience God, absolutely. And it's a wonderful thing. But, boy, you don't want to build your, your, whole, your whole relationship on that. Because what happens when the experience goes? Right. Well, we could, I don't want to spend a lot of time there. I could spend a lot of time, but they watch the, the world. This is a worldly viewpoint, but the world believes the meaning of life and the purpose of life is to experience as much as possible in this world. And then before you die, that's why people have bucket lists. Right. Here's my bucket list. And there's nothing wrong with a bucket list. Right. But I'm just saying this is what drives the world. This is how they try to find meaning in life. And they try to find it by by experience. Look what Solomon says about experience in verse 12. I, the preacher, was king over Israel in Jerusalem. I always think it's laughable when these theologians try to argue whether Solomon really wrote Ecclesiastes. They are out there. I've, I've read some of them. And I think it's kind of funny. Pretty, I think, of course, it doesn't say I'm Solomon, but I don't know how you get around, you know, the son of David, the king of Jerusalem. I mean, anyway. So, verse, one, uh, verse 12, I, the preacher, was king over Israel and Jerusalem, and I gave my heart to seek and to search out by wisdom concerning all things that are done under heaven. This sore travail hath God given to the sons of man to be exercised therewith. And we see here, he's uh, the king, right? He had the means, he had the resources to experience anything that he wanted. And he did, didn't he? We know, we know the story, we know the events of the life of Solomon. Look at verse 13. He said, And I gave my heart to seek and to search out. I gave my heart. He permitted, he granted his heart, the, 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 his, his innermost being, his desire. He gave all of himself to search out and to allow himself, in, in verse 30, to search out by wisdom concerning all things that are done under heaven. This is experience. He's going to buy everything. He's going to have gold. He's going to have baboons. He's going to have peacocks. He's going to have gardens. He's going to have, uh, I mean, I mean, just the, the list went on and on. And then the, what, 700 
300 wives and 700 concubines or porcupines or, you know. I mean, I, I mean, he just, I mean, experience, experience, experience. But you know, there's a problem with this. He said, I gave my heart to search these things out. We know this out of Jeremiah. We just looked at it recently, didn't we? The heart is deceitful above all else, desperately wicked. Who can know it, right? Matthew 15, 18. But those things which proceed out of the mouth, Jesus said, come forth of the heart and they defile the man. It's not what comes, not, not what comes into the mouth that, you know, that defiles. It's what comes out of the heart that defiles the man. For out of the heart proceed evil thoughts and murders, adulteries, fornications, thefts, false witnesses, blasphemies. These are the things which defile a man. But he said, but to eat with unwashed hands, that doesn't defile a man, right? Sure, did you hear that? To eat with unwashed hands, it doesn't defile a man. And so, thank you, thank you. He's searching. He's, he's searching. He's experiencing. He gave his heart the authority to seek out every experience it wanted. Watch this. It got to the place of being apart from the will of God. This is where the trouble lies. Okay. Do you remember in Deuteronomy, the kings were told not to amass horses? He amassed horses. Do you remember the kings were told not to amass wealth? He amassed wealth. Do you remember the kings were told not? And this was before there was ever a king. God knew. This was, this was talk about um, uh, prophecy preaching. This was before there was ever a king. This was back in Deuteronomy when they were still, hadn't even really come into the land yet. God said them, you know, the kings, you're not, gonna, you're not supposed to amass wives and, and, and marry foreigners, foreign wives. What's what he did? He married foreign women that stole his heart from God. He was warned of all of this. So watch, what he's seeking is, is experience outside of the will of God. Watch this, he's seeking experience outside of a relationship with God. It's empty. It's empty. Verse 13, all the things that are done under heaven. This is what he was searching out. Whether it was building whether it was animals from around the world, whether it was mining, whether it was spices from exotic areas, whether it's the shipping trade, his wives, all of these things. He experienced it all. And remember where this all ultimately led? When the, when the experience of God and his walk with him wasn't enough anymore, then he's left with the abundance of the gods of his wives. Watch, it's undeniable. The purpose of Solomon's life became driven by experiencing everything he possibly could. Yeah. We see here as we go on, you think, well, what's wrong with this? Look at verse 14. I'll tell you what's wrong with it. It's called emptiness. Look at verse 14. I have seen all the works that are done under the sun, and behold, all is vanity and vexation of Spirit, vanity, empty, nothingness, nothingness, vexation is, watch, vexation means a longing, vexation is, is, is a longing that is unable, an individual who is unable to find satisfaction, this, this longing that cannot be satisfied in an emptiness. Solomon said, at the end of my experience, it left me empty. <laughs> I found out at the end of it, it was vanity and vexation of spirit. This longing in his spirit for, for satisfaction, but he couldn't. 
find it all. He spent and he spent and he wanted more, but there was no more to get. Right? What a miserable place to be, huh? It's like the man that walks into the casino with this false notion that he's really going to gain something from being there. And he goes in with money maybe that he earned. He goes in and he spends all that money that he earns. And the likelihood is you're going to walk out of there without your money and without their money. <laughs> and you're going to walk out empty. Empty pockets, right? Empty hope, empty joy. And, and a lot of times, I don't know from what I've understood, I've never gone to a casino, but uh, from, from what uh, a lot of people uh, talk about, um, when you walk out broke, a horrible experience. I had a sales meeting out in Oklahoma City with a guy, owned a large concrete company, and I, I had to go over to his house, this monster house, and I walked in, or I came, drove up to the property, and this was about 2003, so there was a brand new Jaguar sitting out in the front, uh, in the front parking lot, in its driveway, in the front door, it's had one of those drive under porticos, big house, and uh, Knocked on the door, rang on the, rang the doorbell. I didn't knock the doorbell. Rang the doorbell. He had me come in, and uh, he, he was on the phone, and he said, I'll, "I'll just be a minute, just you know." And he's talking away, and I heard him talking on the phone. Oh man, I lost a ton. I lost a ton of money. I just got back from Vegas. You know what that Jag was? The casino gave it to him because he lost so much. Yeah, you start winning, know what I've heard? They'll put you up in the hotel, the best room. They'll start giving you everything. Why? They want you to stay. Because the odds are, the longer you're there, the, the, they're going to get their money back. <laughs> right? But he had, he had a Jag that he came home with. He, I can't imagine how much he, he lost. And they gave him a junk Jaguar. I mean, they're not even great cars. But anyway, <laughs> it's got a cool little you know, Jaguar in the front of it. Empty. No, this is Emptiness. You know what it is? It's vanity. It's vexation of spirit. How many walk out of those places with their spirit vexed? No satisfaction, right? What a miserable place. Listen, listen to me tonight, saints. It, 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 when we, we, need, we can be reminded, we can be reminded and we need to be reminded over and over again that spending our means to find fulfillment in this world will only leave us empty. It absolutely was. We know it. We've been there. We have. So what was missing out of Solomon's life? Right? He went through experience, number one. He found emptiness, number two. Number three, what was missing? Well, I've already told you. I gave it away at the very beginning. Meaning. Slash. Where's meaning? God. What does it mean he lived his life under the sun for this period of time? Well, he lived it apart from his relationship with God. He lived a fleshly, carnal life. Watch this. When you seek out the why and disregard the who, why has no meaning. He was seeking out the why of everything. He was seeking out experience of everything. But it was, it was disconnected with the who. It was disconnected with God. And he was left with all of his experiences of having no meaning, no purpose at all. And he said it's vanity and vexation of spirit. Later on in Ecclesiastes, he says, I hated life. He got to the point where he absolutely hated his existence. What a miserable place to be. 
I met with a young man I'd grown up with, a, a kid. My mother babysat him, and we kind of grew up together a little bit. And I think about the last time I saw him might have been junior high. I, I may have told this in a certain, uh, you know, brought up parts of this before. And, uh, but he went on to college. He went to Harvard, biomedical engineering, went back later, got an MBA. Um, hadn't seen him in a lot of times. I was working down in Austin in, uh, in Texas and uh, contacted him. And we met for lunch. Hadn't seen him in a long time. Hardly even recognized him. And uh, we sat for lunch. And I made some spiritual comment. comment and he goes, I, I, I've, I've got to tell you, I mean, I'm, I'm atheist. I said, yeah, that's fine. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I'm not going to get up and leave, right? <laughs> and uh, this, is, this is who we want, right? We want, we want to be in front of an atheist. Absolutely. And, uh, and we talked for a little while. And he began to tell me all about his plan. He had just started a, a new... Uh, non nonprofit. He was trying to get up and running. He he had this crowdfunding source. He was connected to some very big names, very big names that he knew personally. I'm, I I don't want to tell you them, but I'll tell you. Probably most people in here have one of their computers in their houses. He's connected to a lot of these people, and he goes. So I think we can get the the money that I need, and on and on. His house was incredible, you know, and uh, like, well, you've done all right, <laughs> but. Uh, but it was fascinating because he was telling me he left his one job, a big company he was working for, to start this non-for-profit because he was concerned about the homelessness and the hunger in Austin. And he said, I've, got, I've just got to do something about it. He's an atheist. And I said, but you're going to die, so who cares? And then the people you feed, they're going to die. And according to you, they're just going to cease to exist, so who cares? And then they're going to die, and then who cares? I said, where do you find meaning in life? He says, I don't know. I don't know. Why? He was doing, I mean, he was doing great things. Absolutely. He thought, I mean, right? But, um, but it wasn't connected to God. And so it had no meaning. It had no meaning. Since God made everything and everything that is made has been made by him, everything made is connected to him. Right. And so so out of all of this created stuff that's out there, it can only have meaning when it continues to be connected to the one who made it. And here they are going through life, people all over the place. Sadly, when Christians do it is the worst, but they'll go through and they'll buy the world's bill of goods and they'll go through all of these experiences and they'll bring all of these things into their life like Solomon did, disconnect them from God and they get to a place in life and they go, well, that was pointless. Yeah. There's no meaning. No meaning. Do you know, you know in, 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 until the mid-1930s, shoes did not have rubber soles. They had leather soles. Now, I'm a purist, right? Brother Jack, you got your cowboy boots? You got rubber soles on them, or are they leather? Amen. Well, I'm a purist. They got to have leather soles on a cowboy boot. I'm, I'm not into those... Don't say it, Eccles. Don't say it. I'm just not into the rubber-soled cowboy boots. They might have their place. I don't know where, but they might. But I like rubber soles. Now, you're going to kill yourself in the wintertime. You're going to slip, and you're going to fall and crack your head open on ice because they're slippery, right? But they, they, I just like that. But until the mid-1930s, all soles of shoes were leather soles, right? And so, but what happened one time was there's a, there's a man by the name of uh, Vitali, some Italian name, Vitali Bertami or 
Bertolini or whatever his name was. And he was, he was climbing in the Italian Alps with some friends of his about the year of 1935. They were coming up into the Alps. A snowstorm hit. They got stuck. And six of his friends died. So what Vitaly did, he was determined that the hobnail sole boots, these leather-soled boots that they had, he was convinced that they, con they were contributed to the death of his friends. So he went back in 1936, he began to develop some, something different, and he developed the first rubber-soled boot. Later in about 1937, he teamed up with another Italian, you'll know his name, especially if you like fast cars, he teamed up with a man by the name of Pirelli. Pirelli makes some good tires. Used to. I don't know what they're like anymore. And watch this. Vitaly launched his first boots with the Vibram sole. I don't know if anybody has work boots. I've had them before, and they'll have a little stamped thing in them that says Vibram. This was, this was Vitaly Bramani who, who designed these. And it's pretty neat, right? And... and uh, you say, well, what's, what's the point of it all? Well, when you, know the, when you, when you go, begin to look at the, the whole instances of the rubber boots and the rubber soles and you investigate the material, it can be pretty fascinating. It really can. Where the rubber comes from, how they do vulcanization. Uh, you can learn about how the molds are made. You can learn a lot of information about the whole sole boots and how it came out. It's really cool. It really is, right? But all you're left with is some fascinating facts without meaning. And it ends there. Now watch this. When you look at the person behind the invention and the tragedy surrounding that, the Vibram soul now takes on meaning because it was connected now to this Vitaly's friends who died. And it has some meaning to it. It's different now. Right? See, let me say it again. When you disregard the who, God, the what and the why have no meaning. And this is the emptiness of life apart from the Creator. It's empty. The world spends its days searching out the secrets of life in archaeology and science and mathematics and physics and psychology and the universe. And all of these things are wonderful studies and they're, they're, they're exciting and there's nothing wrong with them. But when they are disconnected from the one who created it all, they cease to have meaning and they're totally incapable of satisfying that longing in your soul for someone to fill, right? Because why? Because that longing was supposed to be satisfied with a person. That longing was supposed to be satisfied with Jesus Christ, not with the things that that one made, but the one who made them. And this is what Solomon calls vanity and vexation of spirit. It's meaningless. It's meaningless. Can I tell you it gets worse here in verse 15? That which is crooked cannot be made straight, and that which is wanting cannot be numbered. You can't make the crooked straight. Anybody ever try to go out in your woods and straighten out a vine, Alan? I was clearing, clearing piles yet, uh, this week and burning a bunch of brush piles. And, you know, out in those woods, we got some nice vines. We got some I won't take down. They're about that big. They got to be, I don't know, 100 years. I mean, they're old. They're huge. They're cool. I'm like, I'm leaving those there. But we have some small ones. Right? They're vines. Right? You can't do anything with them. Right? Was it Ezekiel? Right? I mean, it's, I mean they're, they're only good to be put in the fire. That's it. 
And I'll tell you this, you can't straighten them. You, can't take a, you cannot take a vine and make it look like a bamboo shoot. It's not going to happen. He said the, the crooked can't be made straight and the wanting can't be made, uh, uh, the wanting can't be numbered. You can't make a vine straight, listen, and you can't count a- apples on a dead apple tree. They're not there. <laughs> right? It's futile. It's meaningless. It's pointless. And this is the, watch, this is the letdown in spending your life for answers and meaning and experiences apart from a relationship with God. The crooked areas of your life, they'll never be made straight. And you can't, you listen, you cannot count the joys of life in a dead soul. It doesn't produce anything. It's separate from God. What a bleak outlook. It really is. And it's supposed to be. We, we, don't, we don't rush through Ecclesiastes. We let it sink in. Because this is how miserable it really is. That friend in Texas I told you about on many levels and for many reasons. Nobody has the power really to end homelessness and hunger. You know what that endeavor was? Trying to make the crooked straight. Trying to, trying to number something that's wanting, that's lacking. Trying to add up zeros. That's pretty pointless, isn't it? Zero plus zero plus zero. I mean, you can spend the rest of your life doing that. You'll still have zero, right? <laughs> when you give, listen, when you give physical food to a life that needs spiritual food, you're still left with a crooked life. And you can't, listen, you cannot count the success of feeding the homeless if they're spiritually dead. There's no more meaning. And you know what they do? They get frustrated. Oh, can't do anything with this. Well, you're right. I don't know if you've noticed this lately. If you listen to the news, I mean, I don't know how many times I've screamed at the radio, right? It's Jesus Christ, right? What are we going to do about this? And what are we going to be doing about this? I mean, and they, they sit around the round tables and they discuss it all and, and they have their own plans and, and we're sitting here connected to God and we know what the problem is and we know what they need, but they don't want it many times. Things, here's the deal. Things and experience and philanthropic endeavors, they can't fill the void and there's no way to change it so the void can be filled. It's not possible. So what is the answer to the search for fulfillment? What is the answer for the need of contentment? What is the answer to the need for meaning? Acts 17.28 For in Him we live and move and have our being. In Him we live and move and have our being, as certain also of your poets have said, for we also are his offspring. Psalm 87, 7, it ended this way. Remember this? All my springs are in thee. You know where meaning is in our life? When it's connected to him. Watch. And when we endeavor to take on anything in our life that is not connected to him, it will not, it'll, it'll, it'll lose meaning. It'll be vanity. And we'll spend the re- too much time trying to make the crooked straight and trying to count up a bunch of zeros. And they get to the end of it and we go, ugh, exasperated. And wonder why life's just, just not working out like it ought to. Yeah. 
You know, I wanted to bring this tonight. I wanted to bring this message tonight because I wanted to connect it. There's a connection to the message this morning. And our need for the Word of God. Our meaning in life is our relationship with God. Watch, you can't have meaning without relationship. And you can't have relationship without communication and communion. And you can't have communication and communion without the Word of God. It's all connected right here. And if you're going to live a life that has meaning and joy and fulfillment, yes, number one, you've got to be born again. We know that. You've got to have a deep relationship, though, with your Bible. You've got to have a deep relationship there. Watch, or you're going to live a frustrated life trying to make crooked things straight and trying to get fruit off of a dead tree. And it's not going to work. Let me say this tonight. Don't let anything take priority over learning and knowing God. No experience. We are just talking about this in discipleship tonight and soul winning. Remember this? We are talking to those that weren't here for that. Uh, there's no greater, listen, there's no greater joy. There's no greater emotion. There's no greater feeling than not only obeying God, but, the, but, but leading somebody to Jesus Christ. <laughs> you talk about meaning. It's connected to eternity. It'll never go away. You lead somebody to Christ and you'll never, you'll never, I mean, you might lose track of them on this planet, but boy, you'll see them for the rest of the eternal existence after this, after we leave this life. Amen. Yeah. Meaning. Don't let anything get in the way of learning and knowing God. Make the book a priority. Not just make a book, make the, we, the book needs to be a priority out of a heart that wants to know him. Right? We can just mechanically go through it. That's not what I'm talking about. But a heart that desires him. Listen, let's, let's move with some wisdom and look at the life of Solomon and say, yeah, it doesn't work. How many know people, whether it's in your family or it's in your relatives or maybe it's in, in uh, just your, your circle of people that you know and you've watched people try to do this in their life. You've watched them try to do what Solomon did, and it doesn't work. And you're sitting there going, it doesn't work. Yeah, but, you know, they'll try it again. And they'll try it again. Well, yeah, I know I messed everything up, but well, I'll, this time it'll work. No, it won't. It's not going to work. Right? It never will. It never will. Your crooked choices are never going to be godly. They're never going to be straight. Quit doing that. Hey, listen. The world is, here's, here's another admonition for us. The world is looking for meaning, and we have it. We have it right here, and we've got to get it out. But follow me, and I'll make you fishers of men. What are we fishing for? Why are we fishing for men? Because, listen, these people, the world needs meaning in their life. They need Jesus Christ, and we have that. And what an what a awful thing is, when the ones who need to be bringing meaning and God, and, and to, to the lives of those with no meaning... What an awful thing it is when they themselves don't have meaning in their life because they're chasing off with the world, trying to fill their life with other things and uh, living like a Solomon and just miserable. Boy, that's not a really good testimony, is it? That, that, doesn't, that doesn't make for good fishing. Not at all. May God help us tonight. Stay in the book. Stay connected to the source. Listen, you'll, you'll, have, so much, you'll have all of the meaning in your life that, God, that, 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 that you need. All of it. It'll be completely fulfilled. And, uh, and you won't need all, you know what you find out? You don't need all the experiences. You don't need them all. 
I mean, they're great. Don't get me wrong, but there's so much. People say, well, you, you, you've never done this or that? No. And I'm like, all right, I, I just kind of don't, I'm not like I'm looking for it. I think you feel like, oh, how do you get through life without experiencing this or this or that? Yeah. So how are you doing? <laughs> right? How's your life doing? Father, we thank you for the relationship that we have with you through the Lord Jesus Christ. We thank you that every one of us in here was at one time a life with no meaning, wandering and flailing about until you found us and you rescued us and you saved us. Lord, we called upon you and you never turned away. You said that, you'll never turn away. And you saved us and we thank you for that. But Lord, Father, we know it's possible. We know it's possible to go back to some old ways. We know it's possible to see the, the things of the world and they look entertaining at times. They look, they look good at times. And Would you help us to have the wisdom that we need and the unction of the Holy Spirit to throw the red flags up and say, you know what, this... Those things that are outside of your will, those things that will pull us away from you, those things that will, that will bring wedges in the, in the relationship. Would you help us to know what those are? And to be reminded that the end of those things, the end of those things, that we, if we stay in those things, the end of them is vanity. It's vexation of spirit. It's emptiness. And Father... We can see where that we can see where it ends here in the Word. We can see where it ends. Uh, we've experienced watching people in our own life, and maybe even our own life. We've seen it in in times of just the vanity that comes in. So, Father, would you protect us from that? Would you help us from that? Of, of that? Would you would you help us to be alert of those things and to be so intentional, Lord, Lord of, of seeking you and keeping that relationship right. Well, thank you for what you do tonight and in our, as we go throughout the week. And we'll thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Why don't we stand tonight? The instrument will play. Where are you finding meaning in life tonight? Is, is, has the world taken over your life and you found yourself a little bit empty? Maybe there's just a little thing that's been creeping in and you've noticed lately. Some things have crept in and the relationship with the Lord isn't as close as it used to be. You know it. You know it's just not quite there like it used to be. Could I ask you tonight to allow the Lord to point out what it is and just stand before Him with a with an obedient heart and say, well, Lord, what do you show me? Whatever it is, I'll make sure I get rid of, get that out of the life so we can keep the connection right. Maybe you've been seeking after something that the Lord's been warning you about. I don't know. I don't know. You just obey the Lord tonight.
Make a priority of the book. Yeah. Well, that'll help you, won't it? Amen. Stay close. Stay close to the Lord. Stay in the book. All right. We're going to be dismissed in the word of prayers Wednesday night. We'll see you 7 o'clock, Lord willing. And.